0: This is your home for St. Cloud State Hockey, keeping you up to date on the NCHC.
1: And come in, they score! Ripped in! A bomb from Perks.
0: Women's WCHA.
1: So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores! Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies
0: the National Hockey League.
1: Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to
0: interview segment for episode number 63 of course I'm joined with my co-host Nick Maxton as well as our guest for today head coach of the men's hockey team Brett Larson. Brett uh, how are you doing uh, just after 7 a.m. on this Wednesday morning? Good
1: doing real good obviously uh, June came around quick and uh, we're just uh, in the office getting ready to hit the recruiting trail.
0: If so I'm not mistaken, you actually had a little bit of travels uh, down south to kind of get away, kind of recharge the batteries a little bit. Uh, first of all, uh, how nice was it to uh, sort of recharge the batteries or at least just kind of get away from maybe the colder weather of North or North Dakota and Minnesota for a while?
1: Yeah, you know, I I, I loved it. Um, I think most coaches need it. The year's a grind for sure. It's a fun grind, but it's a mental grind, and you need a little time to, to recharge. So it's always fun to get down there. The NCAA has the, the coaching convention uh, down there that you – you have an excuse to get down there at least. And I might've, I might've extended that trip a little bit on both ends. So it was, uh, it was a really good time.
2: Now for Brett, for those who maybe don't know what happens at the coaching conventions down there in the good old state of Florida, uh, what are some of the things that takes place uh, for the NCAA coaches uh, during those meetings?
1: Well, on a typical year, this year was obviously a little bit different. It was condensed because of COVID. Um, But on a typical year, you know, you spend a a few days, you get down there first and you have your league meetings. So the first few days are just with the NCHC. You're covering league topics, you're covering officiating, you're covering scheduling, um, any other issues that might have arisen in the league that year. And then you move it over um, to the national convention. At the national convention, um, there's everybody there. What Some people, I I didn't know that until this year, there's usually about 800 people there. Um, this goes from division one men's and women's uh, all the way down to club hockey uh men's and women's coaches and uh, there's a it there's just a great fraternity of coaches that way where everyone's trying to connect uh everybody's kind of networking a little bit um, really good opportunities from learn to learn from each other you start with one big meeting for all the coaches at the beginning and then you break it off into certain areas now our ours, our main meetings are what's called division one's men's division one men's issues. So in in those meetings, you start to look at, uh, if it's a rule change here or not with the NCAA voting on different rule changes, potentially, um, you may look at recruiting rules. Uh, you may look at, uh, recruiting, um, calendars. There's been pushes at times to have what are called dead periods within the calendar where you can't go out and recruit. Um, and any major topic like that, you're kind of, you're discussing in those meetings, And then what I enjoy are the breakout sessions, too, because what they do in the breakout sessions are um, you have usually a a NCAA coach presenting on a topic. So I can pick those topics throughout the day. Do I want to go in and and learn about the forecheck? Do I want to go in and uh, learn about the mental side of the game? Whatever whatever you want to do. So it's a it's a really good opportunity not only to to go through kind of the uh, get into the weeds of rules and that type of thing, but it's also a good opportunity to grow as a coach.
0: Speaking of growing as a coach, Brett, uh, when you talk about those breakout sessions, is there a particular section, a particular topic, you know, uh, like the forecheck, that sort of thing, where you really enjoy talking about that or uh, being in a group like that? I I mean,
1: it's hard to pick any one because they're all so important, you know, and it, it often depends on. I think what you feel your need, your team needs to prove on going into the next year. So you may be drawn to a, a topic like that. Maybe your power play struggled the year before and, and you have an NHL coach down there giving a presentation on power play. Well, obviously you're going to, you're going to go to that one, you know? Um, so it, it kind of, uh, we're all kind of hockey junkies and we all want to keep learning and keep getting better. So you just kind of pick what, what interests you the most.
2: Uh, Brett, that's a good uh, transition into looking forward to next year. Now it is past June 1st, which means the recruiting window, I believe has finally opened. Is that not correct? It has. So it's just amazing actually, to think that
1: we haven't been able to be on the road recruiting since last April. Um, It's been well over a year. Uh, We haven't been able to have recruits in to visit. Uh, We haven't been able to do any of that. So our calendar is pretty full here. A, A typical, a uh, schedule for college hockey coaches for recruiting your busiest two months or June and July, We're we're going to head out to every USHL camp pretty much here in June. Um, we'll break them up between the three of us. Um, and then, uh, uh, out in Buffalo, you have the select 15, 16, 17. So you get all the top U S kids in one spot in each age group. Um, so they've all gone through trials to get there and, and, and you get an opportunity to see the best in one spot. So you spend a few weeks out there, um, I'm going to head over to Europe for a little bit. Um, we've got, uh, a couple of commitments over there that unfortunately I can't, you know, legally, uh, talk about yet until they've signed their letter letters of intent. But all I can tell you is one of them has got a brother on our team, so you guys can do your own dig in there. Um, (laughs) but, uh, uh, I'll head over there and make sure that we're continuing to build the relationships with, with our finished pipeline. And, and, uh, we actually have a couple new countries in the mix so we're excited about that so it's going to be a couple couple really busy months here for recruiting
0: Right, I've got kind of an interesting question that I just thought of before we get to this year's incoming class and I don't know how much you can divulge uh, but of course at the Herb Brooks National Hockey Center when the Huskies are playing uh, uh, there's no shortage of NHL scouts in the buildings uh, at, at certain times and you get to kind of see uh, their process for their essentially recruiting if you will Um, And some of them, they recruit by essentially rating players on one to five and that sort of thing, like in different areas of their game. Uh, I don't know how much you can give away, but is there a certain kind of process to to recruiting uh, that maybe you could touch on for fans who maybe don't know a little bit about uh, when you show up to the rink and you're recruiting, what exactly you're looking for, uh, if you have an interest in a particular player or that sort of thing?
1: Sure. Uh, I mean, there's so much that goes into it. You're identifying kids from a real young age, and you're—we tr- call it tracking. You're—you're you're really just watching their development. And and the more you've recruited, the more you've scouted as a college coach, you have pictures in your mind of okay, what did uh, what did Jimmy Shult look like when he was 15? Um, what did what did uh, you know Ryan Paling look like when he was 15? What you know, and you, you kind of you're making these comparisons in your head all the time, and and trying to track these kids. Now the the real i would say um recruiting and scouting it it's not foolproof it's not 100 percent because what you see is some of the best kids at 15 and 16 year olds aren't the best kids at at 19 and 20 there's a development pattern there and a path um so what you're trying to do really is determine at a fairly young age who is going to be the best as they get older which is which is probably the toughest part of it and you, you look at the nhl draft for an example you know there's a lot of first round draft picks that don't make it so it's not a foolproof science for sure, but you're just trying to use your experience, what you've been through before. Um, Really when you're recruiting young, you're trying to build those lists, track, but at some point, uh, which would be August 1st going into their junior year now with the new rules, schools can start to offer them uh, scholarships. So you have to be prepared for that date. Uh, Are you going to take a swing at a young kid that you really believe uh, is going to continue to get better? Or are you going to hold off and wait for the older late bloomer and really know what you're getting as a 19, 20-year-old out of junior hockey? And I can tell you our philosophy here is, is to try to have a mix of both. Um, you don't want to swing too many times early because, to be honest, it's about a 50-50 ratio when you're when you're going real, real young. Um, So you want to have room for that older late bloomer who has always made St. Cloud a great program, but you always, you also want to take the occasional young kid too, that you really believe um, can keep getting better and being an impact player.
0: One guy that comes to mind for me, Brett, uh, in terms of guys that develop very nicely a uh, plays for the Los Angeles Kings is Blake Lizotte and his work ethic. Um, is recruiting as much as obviously you're focused on these players, you know, at 15, 16, 17, who have this, you know, somewhat God-given or natural talent for the game of hockey, is there almost a focus sometimes on understanding the person off the ice as well and their work ethic and what they might develop into understanding that they're almost like a mold of clay, if you will, that maybe they're at this spot at 15, but you know that their work ethic is going to continue to improve and they're personally going to develop better uh, as they get older into that college realm. Well, that's obviously the other side of it,
1: right? So, as you're just sitting in a rink watching, you're also calling their coaches. You're 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 digging into who they are. You're trying to get a feel for what type of person they are, because those traits obviously uh, give you a better understanding of um, making that risk of of going after a young player, right? Uh, you're never going to go after a young player if you haven't done a ton of homework to try to figure out, you know, are, are they the first kid on the ice and off the ice? Do they do they do extra? How do they t- treat they? their teammates what's their work ethic like you know because then you're thinking okay this kid's got talent now and if he keeps working at it and he's one of the elite workers on his team then maybe he's got the chance to keep getting better so that's all factored into your decision whether you were going to offer a young player on that august 1st deadline or not or not deadline but initial date of being able to offer that that age so you factor all that in, in into your decision you do a ton of homework on it and and you want to be very careful uh, when you do that uh Because it is a commitment both ways. So it is a verbal commitment, but it's a commitment. And you want to make sure that you're doing your best you can to honor those things. And you ask the kids to honor them as well. It's a two-way street. Um, You want them to, to commit to continue to work hard and do the things that they can do to continue to develop.
2: And, Brett, I think it leads us perfectly into a transition into uh, the three recruits that we have coming in for this year. Um, I want to go through these one by one a little bit, uh, I guess. Uh, what have you seen from these guys? What should fans ex- uh, should expect from these guys? Uh, for instance, we can start with Mason Um uh, Start with him. And uh, what does he bring here to the, the hockey squad?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. And I'll just take Mason and, and, and uh, Jack Pert for right now. And then I'll get to Josh Lukey. And they're all we're really excited about this class. Um, very excited. Um, but Mason and, and Jack are kind of the two opposite ends of the spectrum that I just talked about in that recruiting process where, you know, Jack was, was one of the best 15 and 16 year olds we felt in the country. Um, we did our homework on his character and who he is and how he was raised and the people he'd been around. And we, you know, obviously, uh, did a ton of homework and just loved him on and off the ice and felt that he had the opportunity to keep getting better. And, and he was the one of the 50% that, that did, you know, at that young age and it couldn't be happier that that we were able to recruit him and and, uh, get him to be a Husky. It's been a great relationship and and he comes from a great family. So that's been awesome. Now he was that, that best kid from early on, but he did keep working hard and kept developing. Mason Salkus is a kid that, you know, was cut from, I believe, three or four teams, multiple junior teams kept working. uh, um, Had to go through the grind, never told he's the best kid. Uh, We recruited him as 19 year old year out of Fargo. Uh, where he had a good year up there in the USHL. And, and this last year, you know, he was a captain and he was a team's leading scorer until he had a pretty bad injury and was out for a couple months and then came back and helped him get to the final. So there's two kids that, you know, uh, are really good players. They're going to make a great impact here at St. Cloud State, but totally opposite ends of the spectrum on that recruiting scale we talked about. Uh, Josh Luck, is a kid who's uh, had a great career in junior hockey the last two years, played in Des Moines. Uh, He's a Minnetonka kid, won a state championship there. uh, Really highly regarded in the state as one of the best defensemen to come out of the state as well. So, um, you know, he kind of fit in that middle group a little bit of, of where he was in the recruiting process, but we couldn't be more excited about this group.
0: One question I was curious about too, with that recruiting process, Brett, uh, you talk about again, late bloomers versus guys that, you know, maybe have that, have that spark early. I, who is your guidance or who is your reference for goaltenders? Because David Rennick, obviously coming back for his fifth season, I was just kind of curious as you look forward into the future, um, you know, for maybe bringing in another goaltender or two, uh, who do you rely on? Because I don't know about you, but I feel like goaltenders are always kind of a crapshoot and a really challenging, especially for those of us who have never really played the position. I do think it's the toughest
1: position to recruit and that's where you really rely on your network. Um, and, and you probably saw that we do have a goalie committed and uh, that just came out here, drafted by Sioux Falls, but, um, obviously can't comment on him until he signs his NLI, but, um, you, that's where you rely on your network. You know, guys in the NHL, there are goalie coaches that, you know, you ask them watch, to watch video, you, the NHL scouts that, you know, that are out watching, uh, these guys, um, uh, anybody that that you feel and, and there are people that I guess in recruiting, there are people in your network that you really trust kind of in different areas. And with our staff, we have people that we re- really rely on to help us make those decisions that we feel are really good with that position. Um, and it, I agree, it's, it's probably the toughest position to recruit, but it's also the most important one. So uh, you got to be right on that one because uh um you know as you watch the Stanley Cup playoffs or you know you look at the you look at the uh the next series with Winnipeg and Montreal well you know both teams are there with a great goalie you know and uh there's no doubt that that goaltending can win championships so it's it's an extremely obviously an extremely important position to recruit for and at least me personally maybe other schools are a little bit different but you rely on your network we have a goalie coach, coach matt bertram here who's done a great job with our goalies rely on him to watch some video on these kids he can't get out and recruit with the, with the rules but he will watch a lot of video on kids before we move forward use our network and again a lot of recruiting is just homework uh
0: you have to do the homework and uh, especially on a goalie Got another recruiting question for you and actually ties in well with that uh, that homework piece, Brett. Uh, and every coaching staff in every organization has a different philosophy with the new trend, especially in the recent decade with advanced analytics and kind of looking deeper into stat lines and those sort of things. Uh, for your coaching staff specifically, does the eye candies test still kind of stay predominant in addition to that advanced stance or is it kind of uh, becoming more of a balance as you move forward?
1: Well, it's not like you can get a ton of analytics out of high school, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't keep a lot of those stats and whatnot. Um, I still think for us, it's the, it's the eye test. It's, it's not only the eye test, but it's, you know, you you look at how St. Cloud's recruited and we're going to continue to recruit that way. You're looking at 75 to 80% of your kids from Minnesota. So the good thing is with those kids, I mean, you've watched them since they were 15 and you, you know, you get to see them in in different areas. You know, for instance, I can give you a little window into our summer, which is nice normally. So let's say a Minnesota kid, you'd watch them. They call it down the 54s at the end of the year down in, in, uh, in Plymouth where they're, they're basically trying to go out to Buffalo for the national camp. So you see all the top Minnesota kids there. Then you see the top of those kids out in Buffalo. Then you see most of those kids. So you see them in their age groups there. Then you see them in a USHL camp where now they're in an age group of 16 or 15 to 20. How do, how do they do when they're in, in that age group with smaller players um you see them in the minnesota high school elite league at the beginning of the season and in, in the fall and then you see them into their high school year and you take all that together and you decide if you're willing to make an offer yet or not if if you really like a player but you still want to see more development then you hope that they'll they're willing to to um not go somewhere else yet if they're getting some offers and play junior hockey and we've done that a lot wherever i've been we've waited on kids till they get to that junior hockey to see how they translate to that level because when you can see that they can translate to that level that gives you a really good window into how they'll translate it into the next level so you've kind of got this whole process that you go through Um, At least for me personally, not a lot of it is stats driven, uh, but it is driven by seeing them um, in different type settings where you get a little bit different view into the challenges they face, who they are, and you kind of see their growth throughout, not only throughout the summer, but then year by year.
2: And Brett, you know, that because your schedule isn't busy enough with recruiting, uh, one of the other, you know, I guess, duties as a head coach is also to help with the communication and connections with the alumni is right. Um, You have a couple of announcements. Uh, I want to start first with the uh, alumni golf outing that's coming up into July. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? We'll, We'll start with that one.
1: Sure. July 30th at the territories in town here, we had over 100 guys last year hoping that the the good year on the ice will even draw some more guys back this year. Uh, It's just a great event to be, uh, honestly, it's, it's not a fundraiser. It's not, uh, it's not, boy, it's pretty laid back and it's just fun and guys enjoy coming back. Obviously we have a dinner after and and have some fun after the deal, Um, but it's just golf. It's just getting guys together. And it's a lot of old stories and, and guys seeing old friends and really, I think it's one of the best things about this game. You know, you're a husky for life and, and the guys live that. And they they know that they some of the for most of them, four of the best years of your life were here in St. Cloud, and they'll tell you that. And uh I, I can also tell you they love getting back here and reminiscing about those four years. So it's just a lot of fun. It's a great instead of a fundraiser, it's a relationship builder. It's an opportunity for me as a new coach here to continue to get more, get to know more and more of the guys, connect with them. And and I've personally really enjoyed it and and I know they do too.
2: And uh, this, the follow up on that is we do have uh, something new that we are actually are starting uh, this summer. I'll let you go in and take it away and let the fans know what this uh, new e- endeavor might be.
1: I don't want to call it a, an announcement at all today. It's more a little bit of just kind of giving you a window into, into something that we're moving towards. And, and obviously it was a tough year financially with COVID. You, you think of, of the revenue lost of, of, well, not having this rink full with fans every game uh, alone. That's that's just one part of it. Right. Um And, uh, so we are going to start something called the miracle society, which is going to be an opportunity for fans to really help us, uh, kind of dig out of that hole a little bit financially, make sure the program can stay where it needs to be. Um, and, uh, and that'll be coming out mid summer here. Uh, it's, it's going to be a a really neat opportunity for, for people at least help us help the university because in all honesty, we're not the only one. This is this is a challenging time financially for a lot of people, and uh, and I think it's going to be a really good way for people to be able to see that. Hey, you know, costs keep going up. Um, uh, the the you know running a, a Division one college hockey program uh, in a normal year is a challenge, but trying to keep it going after a year where, where all that revenue was lost, I, I do know that that uh, the university needs a little bit of help right now to to, to recover from that, and, and we're gonna um that's not not a question but i think the added help from the fans and the alumni once we start this miracle society can really help
0: we got to sit down nick and i did last week with nchc commissioner josh fenton and he talked about uh, the potential maybe for some of these buildings to hopefully get back towards that normal capacity like you talked about as you move forward uh, obviously with three new incoming players uh, and the new season with uh, a pretty interesting schedule in the fall is there anything that you're really looking forward to uh kind of getting getting rolling in the fall early. Well, I just watched the Boston
1: uh, Islander game the other night in Boston when that place was absolutely rocking. I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to having the, the best fans in hockey back in the best rink in hockey with the best atmosphere in hockey because we missed it. Um, I can tell you, and I've said this to you guys before, I've experienced this rink as an opposing coach and as a home coach, and I like it a lot better as a home coach. I can tell you that because <laughs> it's a momentum building. You can just feel it. And, you know, I think back to a couple games this year and, and I think to what maybe could have happened, you know, we uh, one in particular against Western Michigan at home that we ended up losing in the overtime where We get scored on with like six seconds left. But we had a we had a power play and then a five on three. We scored on the power play, but then we got a five on three just after it. We didn't score on that five on three. But I just wonder with, you know, you know, those moments in the games, that place would have been rock and people would have been on their toes. It, it, just the excitement and energy in the rink that would have been there. Could that have been enough to get you that next goal and maybe put that game away, you know, things like that. So uh more than anything, I'm looking forward to seeing our fans back in the stands here. And and uh one of the most disappointing things about last year, I think, is we had such a fun team to watch. And I know a lot of people watched on TV, but they didn't get to see them in person here at the Herb. So um I'm hoping we can have the same type of year next year and and uh and and I know the fans
0: will really enjoy it really like that uh that analogy too it's kind of those moments you think about like when i you have a power play and the team takes another penalty and you almost feel it in the building right that kind of oh boy here we go like yeah. something's about to break we don't know yes. what it is yes. but something's happening i uh, uh, we have an actually an interesting segment moving forward uh, we have a couple of tribute questions here for you brett but they are about your time at st cloud state but before we get to that uh, speaking of those here we go moments, when you've had fans in the Herbrooks National Hockey Center, has there been a game or been kind of one of those moments where you've been like, wow, the energy in here is just kind of at another gear or another level? Is there a specific game or moment that in your time here that you can maybe pinpoint, maybe even as an opposing coach that, that you've noticed as well?
1: Well, there's there's one for me that just stands out and, and it was. It was last year against North Dakota at home. We beat them on a shootout on Friday night. Brosley scored the game winner in the shootout. And if you remember, so I guess it was two years ago, not, not this last season, but two years ago. Um, the first half of the year was really tough, right? We had lost 16 of those guys. It was a rebuild year. Uh, those guys really hung in there and kept working. Heck, we won two out of our first 12 games. A lot of people forget that. We were 2-6-4 and four at one point. Um, the guys had battled back to 500. Um saturday night we beat north dakota in here and and we block a shot right we thought i think one of our players thought that they shot it after the whistle and and a little melee ensued and 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 typical uh big time rivalry between st cloud and north dakota um guys got after a little bit out there and we have that on video here uh from a fan who took it from down by the glass and you can just see the other side of the rink so the, the video came from the side opposite of the benches but you can see everybody standing up and you can just feel the energy in that building that was really fun and then you know what's really interesting is my very first year here uh we played two overtime games with colorado college towards the end of the year that this building was absolutely just packed and the players will tell you that that was the loudest they've ever heard this building ever Uh, jimmy schulte and those guys will tell you that that weekend was unbelievable you know because it was not a, not a real big deal, but the guys were proud of it. Uh, it was an opportunity to go undefeated at home in the regular season. And, uh, and CC had leads both those nights and we were able to come back and win in the overtime and, and the the building was just, just rocking there.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of interesting. I think my favorite. I uh, speaking of taking videos, when I when Nick and I have been doing broadcasting, I actually took a couple of videos that year that you were talking about, both in that North Dakota series and then that Duluth series uh, for Hockey Day Minnesota. I have yeah, a nice little funny. video, nice little video of Jack and Sean, that redirect uh, by Nick yeah. Bailing in front. It's great, great. play.
1: That was Wait. a great play. It's just too bad we were wearing those jerseys that night. No offense <laughs> to
2: Jeremiah. That
1: was a great game. And uh,
0: that was a really, I
1: agree with you. That was right up there too.
0: Yeah. I'll have to say that. Just I love the view when you get to see the net pop, right? You see Hunter Shepard like this and kind of that yeah. reaction, you know, with a minute and a half left that it's yeah. like,
1: oh, that was a battle of a game too. Best game I've ever been a part of though. Wasn't, you know, just hockey game was, was the championship game for the NCHC against those that's against Duluth that went double overtime. Uh, my first year here, just a heck of a game, but you know what the, the energy and the herb, it, it honestly doesn't get better. It's a huge recruiting tool for us. Um, this is a college hockey rank. This is what college hockey is meant to be playing in this rank and it's, it's something special
0: if I'm not mistaken, a couple upgrades for that with the scoreboard and sound system this year as well, too. Well, we're uh, working on that. We're working on that. That's not... Is uh, that coming out of your yet. pocket, Brett, or what? We're open, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't have
1: an extra million in my pocket. If anybody does, uh, let us know if anybody's watching, and they can call me directly, and we'll go out for lunch, and they can write a check, but I'm kidding. We we're, There's some exciting things going on with that, um, and we'll see if it's ready for this year, but if not, I'm, I'm almost certain it'll be ready for next year. Yeah.
0: Nick, uh, do you have anything else to add before we get to some of these trivia questions that after listening to Brett reminisce about all these games, I'm feeling like we might have went a little light in the trivia questions, but maybe that's a good thing.
2: <laughs> I think we need to stick with the, uh, the trivia here just uh, for uh, everybody's sake here. Plus uh, I'm curious to see what, uh, how, you know, how much he can reminisce in some of these moments. So, although I think he'll get nine out of 10. I think you're going to pass this one, Brett. All right. Well, we're looking back in school here
0: you guys <laughs> got for this before the show too. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that's why you became a hockey coach right no more yeah. no more no more math and such um yeah i, I guess what we'll to see this is our third edition here of the huskies hat trick trivia first two of course featuring nick and i um i got a feeling you're gonna do all right as well we're gonna start oh nick, nick do uh, i good yeah nick got a one um i might have set him up for failure on that one so nick do you yeah. remember how, how how i did not to toot my own horn or anything do you remember how <laughs>
2: many i got right it's good self-brag five maybe <laughs> six Six, oh, come at me. See, see this, this is the problem when you have Noah Grant as your host is that he takes every opportunity to let you know he is the lead host and that's <laughs> one of the ways that he goes. Anyway, um, let's enter into a top 10 questions here for Mr. Uh, Brett Larson here, chief. Hey, do you have, speaking of which, do you have the, the trivia list up?
0: Uh, Nick, I, I can, I can, would you like to alternate questions? Would you like to co-host sure. with me? As they say, we could oh, be a sure. team on this one. If you'd like to That's that's you know, that's, that's, that's switch it up. anyway question number one we're going to start back a couple questions from 2018-19 for you brett uh first one here uh there's going to be four answers for each question you have 10 to 15 seconds max to 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 think on them so in 2018-19 who led st cloud state in points blake lazat robbie jackson jimmy Schult, or patrick newell jeez (laughs) um i'm gonna go patrick newell it is Patrick Newell. Patrick Newell had 46 points. Uh, Blake Lazat had 40, Robbie had 39 and Jimmy Schultz had 34 points. Uh, congratulations. One that, for that, one. That, that was a fun group to inherit. I can tell you that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Nick, he, he's, he's tied for he's second. Already, he's already tied. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. So question number two, Brett, in the same year of eighteen nineteen, who was the only NCH team the Huskies tied more than once that year? Was it North Dakota? Was it Miami, Colorado, or Denver?
1: Well, what do you, con- do you consider a tie at the end of five-on-five five play? Yes,
2: yeah. official say. tie. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll go Colorado College. It's actually Miami, I believe. Was it wasn't it back-to-back it, on that? Noah, if was, I remember correctly, it was November thirtieth and. I thought December both our 1st. overtime games
1: were against CC at home. That both the games against CC went in the overtime.
0: Noah, did you? I saw research they did, but only one got to that tie, like. After that, I suppose five on five versus three on three. You know what? I'm going to have give it point. to him. Yeah. You'll give,
2: give, give it to him. That's fair. All right. It's All right, already right. It's already right. He, he's, he's like, this is break. an R and D <laughs> coach. The R and D guy already here's already failing you. So
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: you but might, anyway. be,
1: you might technically be right. Cause the rules kind of changed this year. Right. So at the end of five on five this year was technically a tie. Um, yeah. whereas the, that year it would have been, uh a after three on three and after the first five on five overtime or, finish yeah
0: that's so
1: right. based on this year's rules I was right yeah based on that year's rules I was wrong so you guys can you guys can take I, that. Say, I don't you, know
0: you, if,
2: you got the point. i say right. I don't know if
0: I want to I don't know if I want to argue with Brett. I'd like to have him back on the show. Um uh, <laughs> but anyway the ones that I've listed are Miami for November 30th and December 1st four four and two to two. The only other one that season was Colorado College. So uh you weren't far off on that one. Okay. Um Number three, uh, the last one here from 2018-19, which opponent did St. Cloud score the most goals in a single game against in that season? Was it Western Michigan, Omaha, Bemidji, or Boston College? Oh, boy. I'm going to go Boston College. (laughs) It was actually actually Western Michigan. Omaha, Bemidji, and BC, you all had seven. Michigan, you had eight. We had eight really in an eight to two victory. It's actually the um, it's actually uh, um, one of the last few times uh, that Western Michigan has really been rocked in their own building. Yeah. It's been quite a while. So yeah. Yeah. Um, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first time the Huskies have scored eight goals in a, in like a conference game since like the nineties or something like that. I could wow. be wrong, but uh, kudos to that. So I, uh, you, you are two and one currently right now. Yeah.
2: No, I think you need to take this next one because uh, I'm not quite sure um, about the answer on this one. So, so I just want to make sure that you uh, that's that's wow, yours. Yeah, tough. Yeah, oh, okay. tough. It's a pretty straightforward question. All right, you have, uh, but you have an asterisk in one of the answers, so I just want to. No, make sure. the asterisk is the answer. Got it. Okay. Well. You have no asterisk in the other one, so I just wanted to make sure. All right, question four, Brett. Last three seasons, how many St. Cloud of teams have yours have won at least twelve games? Zero, one, two, or three? Three. Yep. Yeah, All three of them at least won 12 because he, he finished was it last year was it uh, 12 was it 12 and 12 or 13 and 12 12 13 12 something. 13 yeah well,
1: we didn't get to finish so maybe that's why the asterisk maybe there. that's yeah no. maybe I, I, like <laughs> yeah, that record it, um, we're proud of that record because I always started but we wanted to finish it and didn't get the opportunities because you never know what could happen with that
2: team. That was a team that I think, at least for myself and you Noah, or uh, consider a dark horse team, uh, just from how you guys started to where you guys had trended upwards. Absolutely agree on that one.
0: Yeah. 30 wins in 2018, 19 and 13, the next year, and 20 last year for the Huskies. So uh, you are correct on that one. Three and one. Uh, Question number five. In the last three years, who has had the most power play goals in a single season? So with the three seasons combined, who – holds the record for most power play goals in a single season during that span. Is it Nick Paling, Patrick Newell, Easton Brodzinski, or Vieti Mietnin? I'll go with Brodzinski. It is Brodzinski. He led two of the three years. He had seven in 2018, five in 2019, and four last year. Who, on a follow-up for that one, Brett, uh, who led the team this year? Um, I'll go Viti. It was. was He had had five this year. He had five. Patrick Newell had six in 2018, and Nick Paling had three uh, last year. So, all right, number six, Nick. He is four and one.
2: Okay. So, four and one going into uh, number six. Who was the only NCHC team St. Cloud had not beaten on the road in the last three seasons until this year? Was it Omaha, Denver, Western Michigan, or North Dakota? This one might be a tricky one. I think this one's the hardest one. Hadn't
1: beat on the road until this year.
0: Mm-hmm. Say the four teams again,
2: Omaha, Denver, Western or North Dakota. And when
0: I say, when I say on the road, it also includes being in the pod is the, oh, I, that's game. what I was going to say. Cause we didn't play
2: Omaha yeah. on the road.
0: Technically we didn't play
1: Western on the road. Technically we didn't play Denver on the road. Technically. So I'd say it's gotta be
0: Denver. It is right. Denver yeah. That is correct. I, I, one four to three is the road team in game number two of the pod. Uh before that, uh, it had been 2015 since the Huskies had beaten Denver on the road. Um, so yeah, five and five one. Five and there.
2: one. Your your lead is in jeopardy there. Mr. I know I'm Rodrian. shaking
0: in my boots. I think we should just call trivia now. What do you think? Um, all right, number seven. In the spring of 2020, I think you'll like this, Brett. In the spring of 2020, a certain reporter called a game-winning slap shot for St. Cloud against North Dakota, quote. Ill advised. Ill advised. <laughs> Disregard, disregarding how expert that analysis was. Who scored the game winner that night in a three to two win on home ice? Was it Jack Paling, Nick Perbix, Easton Brodzinski, or Kevin Fitzgerald? Jack Paling. It was Jack Paling. His ninth of the season. Click on the
2: trigger too,
1: just so you know. He was
2: ready for that one. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I can picture it right in my head. I, <laughs> I can picture the goal, the shot. Yeah. Yeah, I kinda I can, wish I can, you would have dumped it in the corner instead, maybe. And we could have had a good shot. <laughs>
0: I can I can I can still see it from the press box. I can ju- I can just see the shooting percentages decrease as he enters the zone and winds <laughs> up.
2: And <laughs> I can still hear uh, the the coach's answer after that oh. first question in the press box. But that's okay. Uh, moving forward. <laughs>
0: Uh, it's, it's usually a good
2: icebreaker for guests before they come on the show though it helps them relax a little bit so exactly <laughs> uh, question eight since becoming the huskies head coach in the fall of 2018 how many wins has saint cloud had against the duluth is it four five eight or ten
1: well i do know we went five and two this year if you uh, and again the wins because some of them were overtime wins so i don't know if we're counting those as full wins full or wins yes, full, full wins. wins yep yep so would you agree that our record was five and two against them this year? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With the overtime stuff? That's yeah. correct. Um, and we had to have at least – we had two the year before. So everyone's – I'm going to say ten.
2: That's yeah. correct. You had ten. Ten and six right now all time against your alma mater, which are a couple of these last two questions. are going to feature some stuff on your alma mater. Mm-hmm. We also
0: have a um, – we also have a, a new trivia leader here, Nick, with seven, seven correct answers currently. Nick, maybe you want to take this one and I'll grab the last one. How does that sound? Sure, why
2: not? All right, 2011, as uh, you won your first ever national championship as an assistant coach with Duluth 3-2 in overtime against Michigan at the Xcel Energy Center, who scored that famous game winner to give the Bulldogs the first ever national championship? Was it Justin Fontaine, Jack Connolly, Justin Falk, or Kyle Schmidt?
1: Isn't it funny? That's like a loaded question. All those guys are we're, – were, other than Kyle, no offense to Kyle, but uh, most people would have picked the other three, but Kyle Schmidt had the goal.
2: He absolutely did. It was his 11th goal of the year and arguably one of the biggest goals ever in UMD history, and that was the correct answer. And, man, i got to do my homework more for the next time we do trivia. You guys let me off easy on this guys...
0: <laughs> Well, we want to make sure you're coming if back. If
1: I got that question wrong, kick me off the show. But... <laughs>
0: It was, it was actually kind of interesting. Nick and I talked about it. He proofread my questions. And I said, well, I hope he gets number
2: nine. And he goes, I hope for your sake he does too. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like we would have kicked, off, uh, kicked you off our show, but maybe Bruce Siski up and do a quick, yeah, yeah. Uh, different words about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fun
0: fact for Huskies fans, before we hit our final question here, Bruce Siski, when we do our NCHG preview for uh, the Bulldogs, Nick, I think it's fair to announce this. I uh, tentatively scheduled to join us as well as a healthy scratch interview segment again. So, Brett, you're going to have to send us a couple of questions to ask Bruce for sure. um, oh, well. <laughs> when we get to early July there. But the final question also involves the Bulldogs. In 1994-95, a 22-year-old Brett Larson finished fifth in total team scoring and first among defensemen for the Bulldogs with 31 points in his senior year. However, who led the team in points that season for the Bulldogs? Was it Rusty Fitzgerald, Mike Peluso, Brad Federanko, or Joe Rybar? But, oh, Rusty Fitzgerald. Actually, Brad Federenko with 49 yeah. points that year. Rusty was yeah, second. I with,
1: think he might have only been like a sophomore, or, uh, maybe even a freshman that year. But
0: Yeah, 38 points for Rusty, 34 for Mike Peluso, and Joe Rybar was actually six with 29 points on that one. And funny enough, Mike Peluso actually coaches in North Dakota now, so yep, I actually had a does. chance, chance does. to bet. He's
1: a big walleye fisherman guide out there. If he's uh, <laughs> he's uh, Yeah, he's got a good life out there.
0: So congratulations, Nick and Brett, you were correct, Nick, Brett, nine and one on those answers. The next time you come back, I think we're going to have to make them a little bit more challenging. Nick might have to write the questions on that one, but congratulations. Well, it's funny guys. Cause you
1: asked about stats. And I always tell our players all the time. Like I, I really don't, well, there's certain stats. That, I mean, the stats we evaluate are analytic stats and that's being involved in chances for and against and things like that. But um, oftentimes I tell the guys, I have no idea how many points you have. I really don't, you're not evaluated on points on a, on a given night. Um, uh, you're evaluate, you're evaluated in your play that either creates opportunities for points or creates opportunities for the other team to score and, and you're evaluated in those things. But if you want to, if you want to get me throw a lot of those points and things in there, cause I, I don't know that very often. I don't know how I pulled the Patrick Newell one out
2: early, but uh, that was a little luck. Well, they don't maybe, ask how, they ask how many, right? Yeah, so. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe maybe before we go, Nick, I guess I thought of one final question because Brett, of course, loves just sitting here instead of doing his job for the day, right? So um, my final question is this. Uh, speaking of guys that maybe don't show up on the score sheet, when you look back to last season, uh, is there a guy or two that maybe kind of fits that mold that really plays that brand of Huskies hockey that maybe wasn't a guy that was a huge contributor on that score sheet uh, and maybe is kind of undervalued, if you will, in that lineup?
1: Well, I mean, at the end of the year, everybody saw it, but I know the team felt the way that way all year, Will Hammer. I mean, Will's going to be just really, really missed by this club for sure. Um, face-offs, wins, penalty kill, ability to play against top lines, do the job every night, not care if he got any credit or not. Um, I think he was the ultimate team guy that way, and and he's – He's, he's kind of the poster boy for that question you just asked. I think he's the guy that brings so much value, but you just you don't see it on the score sheet.
0: Yeah. It's interesting that you mentioned uh, poster boy. I was looking at Brett Hedekin's poster behind him. Congratulations yeah. to him for getting his degree as well. Oh, yeah. Actually,
1: Brett's <laughs> doing a Zoom call with our team today. I'm excited about it. So uh, uh, Brett's going to do a – we do team-building Zoom calls throughout the spring uh, and early summer, and uh, Brett's going to do one today. I know those guys are excited for it, so we're looking forward to it too.
2: Very, very good. Um, I think with that, uh, no, I think that wraps it up, doesn't it? Not uh, here for episode number 63, head coach, Brett Larson. Again, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll have to definitely catch up with you right before the season starts. Uh, hopefully this time it will be set as in as it is October because um, of quite uh, a really exciting schedule coming up. So again, thanks for joining us. Thanks guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks Brett. Brett.
0: And once again, always a pleasure to sit down with Brett Larson. Brett candid as always, uh, actually eight and two in trivia today, in case those of you who are following realize that Noah Grant can't do math at all. But nonetheless, the math that we have coming up for this week, the Denver Pioneers are actually the ones that are on the docket next here in our NCHC preview for episode number 64. So stay tuned for our Sunday show, and we will see you next week.
1: Coming, they score. Ripped in a bomb from Permix. So Dana Rasmussen fires and she scores. Dana Rasmussen for the Huskies. Dwayne Caprizov in for a chance to win now 42.6 seconds away from wrapping up the school's first ever title.